Hello and welcome to a brand new series of the Jack's Throwback Attack podcast. Hello there, thank you for listening. Yes, I am back after a break with another series of podcasts. My fifth one, can you believe it? The podcast for anyone new listening is my conversations with people who worked both in front and behind the cameras on some iconic kids TV shows in the 90s and noughties. There's plenty of previous episodes to listen to as well. Today, we're chatting with someone who has worked mostly behind the camera for this episode. Lots of great stories. Hope you enjoy it. So I'm pleased to have with me Nick Kaylin, who's here to talk about some memories of working behind the scenes on some iconic kids shows down the years. Hello. Hello there. How are you keeping today? I'm very good. How are you? Thank you so much for uh, let, letting me come onto your show. I'm really looking forward to it. No problem at all. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. And I hope things are, are well down in Maidstone in Kent, because I know that's uh, pretty much your second home, um, the Maidstone Studios. It is, yes. I've probably spent more time here than anywhere else in my life. So, um, so I'm, I'm very, I'm very fond of the place, and um, I'm sitting in one of the production offices um, that uh, would have been a production office in TVS days. Um, I'm sitting there now, uh, speaking to you. So it's, uh, it's really good. Fantastic stuff. Well, um, I know that your interest in television started from a very young age, didn't it? Mm. That's right. Yeah, I, um, I was into uh, southern television i grew up i grew up in kent not far from these studios and um i was a big fan of southern television the local itv station uh, based across southern england and then when i was about 10 years old it lost its franchise and didn't quite understand what that meant so i decided to research it um, and I got really, really into the history of Southern Television and the fact they had two studios, one in Southampton and one in Dover at the time. Uh, and then I then started collecting memorabilia to do with Southern, particularly the Dover studio, because it had a lot of quirks, um, shall I say. And, uh, and, and then um, this new company, TVS, suddenly came along um, and they announced that they were going to build these studios in Maidstone and close Dover. And I thought, right, one day I'm going to try and get a job there. Um, and um, I was very fortunate because uh, uh, a few years later um, I ended up being on one of the shows here. And then when I left school, I got a job and here I've stayed, really. That's great stuff. So it's great mm. that you realised your dream, basically. Um, that's very nice. Yeah, I was I was because I, I, I didn't go to a particularly good secondary school. They still have grammar schools here in Kent um, and still have the 11 plus exam. Uh, so I didn't pass my 11 plus. So I went to a, a secondary modern school and um, it was it was quite good fun. I never remember doing any homework. Uh, we couldn't do uh, O-levels at that school, uh, now called GCSEs, but it was still O-levels in my day. Um, so I just had a lot of fun, got into number 73, this television programme that TVS were making. And I thought, do you know what? One day I'm going to be on that programme. It was presented by Sandy Totsvig. Um, she was uh, the main presenter, um, although she was... Uh, number 73 was actually um, hosted by actors, really, rather than presenters, because it had a drama-based storyline. So it was a house in Maidstone, actually shot in Studio 2 here, um, and bands would come and go. Ethel was the owner of the house. There'd be guests, um, all sorts of things. So, although it was set in a studio, uh, to all intents and purposes, it was in this really crazy house in in, in the south of England. Um, I got so into the programme. In the end, uh, I sent this long picture in. It was 25 foot long. Um, and the researcher at the time, uh, a chap called Tim Edmonds, uh, whose name you might know, he, he got in contact with me and said, would you like to come on the show? Uh, I, of course, said yes. Uh, he came to visit. Uh, me and my parents and said to my mum, I think it was, do you think Nicholas, as I was Nicholas in those days, do you think Nicholas could cope with live television? My mum said, oh, I should imagine so. Um, and that was it, really. I then, within a few weeks, I was one of the kids on number 73, which uh, was also hosted by Neil Buchanan. Um, and uh, that was how I eventually... I got into Art Attack and all those other great shows because Tim Edmonds, that original researcher, uh, and Neil Buchanan 
when TVS finished up, set up the media merchants, and then I went went to work for them. Um, so yeah, you mentioned that you ended up working quite heavily with with Tim and Neil with the media merchants once TVS folded, and probably the main show of of, of that and your career for a very long time was Art Attack. Um, you worked on that for pretty much the entire run, didn't you? I did. Yes, um, I joined uh, on the last uh, TVS series, um, and again, I was I just got a call one day from Tim Edmonds. I remember I was at home and uh still at my parents um and it was tim and he said nick I said, do you know this is i said oh tim tim how are things uh how's looking good because he just brought back how for tvs um he said uh he said oh have you seen art attack and i said yeah yeah brilliant brilliant show really enjoying it so well um we're going from i think it was from seven episodes to ten and we think it will be uh, quite difficult now when you think we we ended up doing 25 30 episodes a series in the end but back then it was it was a big deal going up to 10 episodes i think it was so, so we need someone else to 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 help with the artwork um did you end up studying art at school and i said well no i didn't um and i explained the whole thing about the, the school i was at um and he said well come in anyway um and have a chat to neil and myself um, and we can have a good old catch up and a cup of tea. And I, I, so I just thought it was a really quite a nice thing to do. It was a summer's day, came up here um, on the train and uh, we went to the canteen, had a cup of tea. And Neil asked me to draw something. I can always remember it. It was like a, a countryside scene with mountains in the background and uh, a plane in the sky. And he was saying, right now, draw a fence, now draw a river. So I just sat there and, and did all of this stuff. Um, and Neil had remembered the drawings that I'd done on number 73 and all the address captions that I'd done on number 73. Um, so I'm sure he had something in the back of his mind. Anyway, at the end of it, I said, uh, well, do you, do, you fancy, uh, do you fancy come to work on Art Attack for the summer? And I went, well, yeah, that would be, be brilliant. And at that point, I didn't quite know whether I was uh, going to go and study uh, A-levels or go to university or whatever. So I thought, well, do you know what? I'll come here for the summer, see what happens. And it was literally as simple as that. I, I came here that summer um, and uh, I stayed. Uh, I was on Art Attack then. And, well, gosh, you probably know the dates more than me. Um uh, near enough until it finished in 2007, was it? It finished, Jack? You 2007 probably know. 2007 was the year it finished broadcasting. So I'm guessing right, it would have been okay. the year before that yeah. they finished filming. Filming. I didn't actually do the very last series. So, because um, I decided at that point um, I needed to think about what I was actually going to do in life. Because I was. it was a bit like being on a soap opera. I was so typecast, I was working on Art Attack. So I started on that job. That first job was... Uh, it was, they called me an assistant graphic designer, I think, or or something. We didn't really have runners in those days, um, but I was essentially a runner. And of course, by the end of it, I was the, the series producer. Um, but I um no, I, I I never expected it to, to to go on, you know, to go on for that amount of time. And then at the very end, um, I said to Tim, I don't think I'll do the last series. We all knew it was going to be the last series, so um so so I sort of bowed out. Um, and by that point, Louise Lamb, who'd been a researcher on the programme, um, was produ uh, produced the last few series. Um, and uh, and it, yeah, it was it, it, it was great fun. I mean, I've got so many stories um, and so many memories. And uh, it was it was a lot of work for a long time. And it was great fun working with great people. Um, and I was very, very fortunate because I've got I've got no qualifications in art. Um, uh, but I sort of had a flair for it, I guess. Uh, and we'd have researchers on the show who had fine art degrees and they'd come along and say, oh, I think we should do this. That. And I'd actually say, that's great. Um, but actually think about the kid at home. Would they be able to achieve that? And you're using this expensive paint. I always had a rule when I was producing Art Attack. All the ingredients um, and all the things you use had to either come from the art cupboard at school or from a branch of Woolworths. Dear Woolworths, um, uh, and if, if, if you had to go to a specialist art shop to get something, then actually it shouldn't be in the show. And, um, you know, all that was learned from Neil, really, you know, Neil and Tim. They, they, were, they were brilliant teachers. I mean, they, they, they taught me and Driana, my business partner now, but we, 
Triana and I worked on Art Attack together for many years. They taught us how to make TV TV properly. Um, our other other friend Helen Evans, who I must mention, or Helen Dawson, as she was then, uh, the three of us really in those early days um, were. Uh, it, it was it was a, it was a fabulous time. It was a very small, close knit team, um, and um, and we had uh, we, we we had a great time, but never really never really thought how how popular it was until all of a sudden we got involved with doing the international versions and Disney came knocking on our door saying we want a version for France and Spain and Italy and South America and we ended up doing so many versions so when we weren't people thought we were doing Art Attack for a few months a year in Maidstone we were actually doing it all year and the team got bigger and bigger and bigger so big in fact we had to have porter cabins in the car park and we were just making Art Attack in these porter cabins uh, because we needed so much space uh, because we were making uh, episodes upon episodes for all these territories. Um, and all the presenters thought they were sort of coming to London and going to have a nice time. Uh, and they were a bit gutted when they came to Maidstone. There's nothing wrong with Maidstone at all, but I think they thought they were going to sort of be sightseeing in London. But again, great days, great teams. Uh, and I'm still friends with, with, with lots of them now. That's great stuff, and it's really lovely to hear stories of Art Attack. Of course, very popular mm. show, as you know, because we've been in contact mm. for many years, a show that I mm. absolutely adore. Um, mm. Lots of particular bits that I remember really mm. enjoying or trying to make. I mean, like you say, there's, you could talk about it for hours, and you know, I mm. could ask you questions about it for hours, but we haven't got the time. But if we could like, perhaps talk about perhaps one particular make or picture that really stands out for you as like your favourite, if you've got one. Oh, difficult question, but there was, oh, let's think, Series 8, I think it was. We did a thing called um, a Vicious Vicious. Do you remember it? Yes. Okay, so this was a paper mache or papier mache, but Neil always said paper mache, probably still does. Um, uh, I still speak to Neil a lot, so um, I'll have to ask him. But it was, he'd, he'd been to America on holiday with his family and he'd seen this vicious fishes um in a shop and he'd taken a photograph of it a polaroid i seem to remember and he'd given it to me and as a researcher he'd say nick what do you reckon i said oh yeah yeah no that i think that would be quite good and i remember neil and i sitting together and, and basically doing a version of the vicious fishes and we came up with a color scheme and how we wanted it to be and basically it was a paper mache tank with um this sort of fish in it that was a bit like a piranha i guess all cartoony with big eyes um and so we so we, we we'd come up with this idea anyway at that point i had to think about breaking it down um and in those days we used to we used to record each item near enough as live neil was brilliant you do a lot of stopping and starting now but in those days um God, it makes me sound ancient but we used to record the program on one inch tape when i first started reel to reel tape which was um, a bit of a nightmare to edit, not like digital editing these days. So what we would tend to do is we would tend to um, shoot an item, if we could, in one go as live. Uh, and that was great. And Neil was brilliant at it. He never used autocue. He was, he was really, really good. Three cameras in the studio. We'd have a top shot, perhaps one over the shoulder and a, a, a camera out front. But... The only problem with that is, is we had to do loads and loads of versions for, we never actually said, here's one I made earlier, but we used to have versions under the desk. We used to have left of frame, right of frame. So he could bring stuff in um, because there wasn't really a lot of time for it to dry. So as a result, I'd worked out that I needed to make 52 of these things at various stages. And they all had to look exactly the same because of the continuity. And they all had to, uh, the newspaper, they were made of newspaper, which was a nightmare for continuity. In the end, we got newspaper printed. So all the headlines looked the same and all that sort of thing. But I ended up, I was still at home. I ended up making all these things because I had to make so many of them. One weekend in my mum and dad's conservatory and they'd been out, they came home. The place was running with condensation because I'd been doing all this paper mache. And they said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm making some vicious fishes for Neil. Um, and that's, you know, that, that's sort of the way, <laughs> that's sort of the way we rolled. And I loved it. I, I loved the item. I thought it was a great item. We also did a, it's just reminded me, we did a doorstop out of an old trainer. 
um i don't know if you remember that so you you, yeah. you get a train an old trainer you fill it with stones cover it in paper mache and paint it like the trainer well that was my item so uh i worked out there that i needed uh, for all the stages something like 60 trainers but the trainers we said they were old trainers to get 60 tra old trainers that all look the same all left or right footed i can't remember which one they were um it's not an impossible. So I had to buy 60 trainers and I spent about a week on the steps at the studios here, scuffing them in exactly the same place to make them look old. And everyone would walk by and say, what are you doing? Um, but, you know, we had to have multiples, absolute multiples of these things. Uh, when we were doing big pictures, we did a big picture once with um, biscuits and we had like hundreds of custard creams and, uh, and bourbons. So for the rest of the series, we were all eating bourbons and custard creams and I mean, Pringles, the amount of Pringle tubes we used. I mean, it was it, it, it was crazy, absolutely mm. crazy. But going back to your original question, I think Fisher's Fishers was was yeah. a really good one. It was another one, actually. Margarine lid Christmas cards. Yep, remember that. Which uh, which was, I think, from the second, I think second or third Christmas cracker. Uh, really, I love that item. And that, that was the first in, uh, item that I'd actually invented entirely myself. Um, and uh, I was very proud of that one because Neil said, yeah, absolutely. It's great. Uh, yeah, put it on the telly. And I, I did. And um, and yeah, it's still, um, I've still I still have one somewhere actually to find it and, uh, and show it to you. It's one of the few, one of the few things I kept um, from the series. I've got a, a couple of pencils from the set and a few bits and pieces. Uh, but I... I yeah, that the um, Marge lid card was a was a pretty good one. I remember it because both that mm. and the vicious mm. vicious ended up on the mm. um, videos that they released um, in the mid late nineties. So they are both immortalised on VHS. Both of those, brilliant, brilliant um, stuff. Um, and uh, just going, you said about having to make all the different versions. I, I can understand yeah. now why in the, the like the later shows and the international <clears> ones why. That it was pre-filmed inserts with somebody's hands doing yes. them because you you wouldn't be able to do it another thirty times over. No, it no. would it would have been it would have well, it wouldn't have been impossible. You could have done it, but also when we made the international shows, we um, we needed presenters who could present really, but weren't. It's very difficult to get a really good presenter who's good with props, but who's also a brilliant artist. So uh, that was a way of actually. Um, allowing, I mean, we never said the hands were not the presenters. Um, they weren't the presenters' hands. Uh, we never said they actually were, but we, we, we actually got the idea from the Delia Smith cookery video when we, there were some close-ups of Delia Smith's hands. It was on a VHS we had in the office. And we looked at it and we went, are they Delia's hands or not? We couldn't work out. I mean, they may well have been Delia's hands. They probably were. And that was the inspiration, really, for doing that hands type thing, which actually is, it's been replicated now on, on, on quite a lot of TV shows and you, uh, and you see it online. But uh, I think uh, uh, I, I, we, we shot those all in, um, in a couple of days in, in Studio One here in Maidstone. And then we would play them into the studio so the international presenters could actually um, get their head around what they were supposed to be doing. Um, and yes, in the end, when we were doing lots of shows, um, Art Attack the uk version um sort of adopted adopted some of that mm -hmm. and i was always very fond of neil's um we called them tips where he would actually draw something as well from start to finish um because they were they tim always used to say they were uh, mesmeric and they really were because they just stick the top shot on the caption card and neil would just draw the galleon or mm -hmm. or whatever in the yeah. in the scene and and you know he really was drawing them you know some people said did, did he really did he really do the artwork well yes he did um, and um, he had help, obviously, because it, it was impossible in the end because there was so much. So he had help. But, you know, he was we were I would go to his house sometimes and write, write the scripts um, when I was when I was producing the show. We'd sit down and write the scripts together. Um, and, you know, he was he had some brilliant and still does brilliant, brilliant ideas. 
definitely. I mean, I'll just quickly mention my favourites. I mean, I could list. Oh yes, I could yes, list so many. Um, mm. <laughs> I'll try and keep it brief. So, um, ones that stick out for me. You saying about the drawing and that uh, and the painting. There was one mm. a picture, painting of a ship using a piece of cardboard. Remember that one was. A That's good the one. one. Yeah. 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 Series six, I think. I think it was. Um, also, <laughs> the only thing I ever made from start to finish mm. was a garbage gobbler. I did actually oh, yeah. make one. I mm-hmm. tried to make 3D noughts and crosses and failed. 3D deluxe noughts and crosses. That was it. I think. Yeah. And yeah. my favourite big picture would have to be mm. the Chinese dragon out of lentils, which everybody seems to remember. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Well, so I was the person just off camera filling those boxes <laughs> with lentils because Neil had, I don't know, about half a dozen boxes there with the perfect pour, so yeah. they'd all been scalpeled out. Um, and then I had a big bag of lentils. I went to Safeways, um, which was a supermarket down the road, and I bought all these lentils. Um, and I was just off camera, and every time he finished finished one, I was there filling the next one and filling the next. I think I seem to remember doing doing the same thing with um, with uh, bird food as well for a budget picture around the same time. Yeah, yeah. You talk about the um, garbage gobbler, actually. We got to meet the Queen at one point, uh, the late Queen, and um, uh, she. Uh, we, we took the garbage gobbler along. The program had won an award for international sales because we'd sold to so many, so many countries, and uh, we got invited to uh, to meet the Queen. and um, And uh, her people said, you know, um, uh, please bring some props along. And one of them was the garbage gobbler. And I do remember her asking Neil about the garbage gobbler. Um, <laughs> she was very, impre- very impressed with that one. It was good. Certainly was. Good. <laughs> you worked on the, the head parts of, of Art Attack uh, quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. had a good working relationship with Francis, didn't you? I did, yeah. Francis Wright was a, was an absolute genius with, with the head. Um, really good, really good fun. And uh, we um, we had... We had we had a real laugh working on that. Uh, the the early series Tim Edmonds wrote, um, and then um, I took over writing all the head gags and all the head nonsense. Um, and it and it was nonsense, but it was it was really really good fun. And actually, my quite mediocre scripts at the time um, were were made a hundred percent better by Francis and his performance. But he was so gracious. He really was because I was this 20 something. He was a seasoned actor and, you know, and he was reading and performing my, my words. Uh, and, and he never had an issue. He only ever gave me one bit of advice and uh, I pass it on now to everyone. And that is never put, he's a young man, never put etc. in a script. Uh, and I've never done it since. And if anyone does it, I, I, I give them the same advice because he was like, well, what do you expect me to say? Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm still still in touch with uh, with Francis Wright. And um, and uh, I'm very happy, very happy to have, uh, have worked with him. And and I think the head the head was um, was was a great sort of sorbet, really, from from the Neil parts of the show. I think it really, really helped Art Attack breathe. Um, we went from uh, the, the first two series. Uh, there were a, it was a real, a real person. It was a person with makeup on. Um, it was uh, I think series one. It was Jim Sweeney and I think Andrew O'Connor series two. And there was an attendant pay, played by uh, Peter Corey. He was actually one of the writers on Number Seventy Three. Everything connects. Um, he uh, and then series three. It was a chroma key gallery. And Francis came in and it became a puppet. Uh, and series four was chroma key. And series five, I think. And then series six, this studio was so busy, we couldn't get into the studio to shoot um, shoot the head. So we shot it at TVS, had a warehouse, the other side of Maidstone. We shot it in there one weekend. But of course, we couldn't. In those days, it was difficult to do chroma key on location. So we actually had a real set built and it was a sort of a port wine colour set. Um, and that went down so well that uh, that after that po- at that point, it then went back into the studio. We decided to have a real set. Um, the following year, it was repainted. And I came up with, the, with that uh, green and sort of cream colour scheme at the Heads Gallery. I came up that, 
I came up with that with, with Helen Dawson. We found the Kevin McLeod book, Kevin McLeod from, um, from uh, Grand Designs. Uh, on the shelf was the Kevin McLeod book of paint effects. And that colorway was either on the front cover or quite early on. And I said, oh, I really like that, Helen. And uh, so we gave it to the set designer at the time. And, uh, and that's how the head gallery, head gallery became that color. So, um, so yeah, but a really good, really good, happy, really happy times. And the fact he did the voice as well as the puppeteering uh, was great. One year, uh, we shot it in the old newsroom here for what I can't remember why on a weekend. Tim Edmonds was supposed to direct it. And then for whatever reasons, Tim, I think Tim was oh, sick or something. So Helen and I stumbled through it. Uh, but because we weren't in a studio, the, uh, Francis couldn't get the eyes to work. So I had to sit on the mezzanine floor with the controller and I'm actually operating his eyes in that series. I think it might be in the Art Attack, scrap, uh, Art Attack scrapbook. Do you remember that one? Yeah. It was a sort of a compilation series. If you look, the set looks a bit strange in that one. That's because it wasn't shot in the studio at all. It was shot in the newsroom and there's a line at the top of the set. And that's because we had to cut the set in half to get it through the doors. <laughs> I love stories like that. <laughs> I love stories like that. That's fantastic. Um, so moving on to some of the other um, media merchant shows. Um, yes. My other big favourite is Zap. Um, you worked mm. on that as well, um, sometimes in between breaks of doing Art Attack. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. So I, um, uh, that was more... Uh, once, once we got into a bit of a, a rhythm with the media merchants, Driana, who was heavily involved in Art Attack in the early days, she split off... Um, to work on Zap uh, first as the um, uh, AP and then she produced the last few series and I stayed with Helen Dawson on Art Attack um, and then when Helen left um, I then took over uh, from Helen on Art Attack but um, so Zap was very much uh, going on at the same time as Art Attack so I would do bits and pieces on Zap um, I did a lot of handyman stuff because that was very much like Art Attack um that was great fun to do and we did that in the studio um but also i was um neil would often get me to play the odd character and i can be can be seen in in quite a few cuthbert lily sketches she playing uh irate park keepers and uh, i'm a checkout boy and one i'm a fish counter assistant in an, in another all those we shot up the road at tesco's in maidstone um so, um, yeah, I did. I got involved in some of the location stuff in the early days. I did some very early. I think the first year of Daisy Dares, I was out on location sort of helping out uh, with that. Um, but uh, I can't claim that I, I did a great deal on Zap. It was I mean, we shared an office and um, great teams worked on Zap as well. But um, that was very much in the Andriana's Diana's baby um and i just suddenly i'd get a call to oh can you play a zookeeper the act hasn't turned up well i'm in the middle of doing some paper machine there's like all oh, right then um it was very much like that really yeah i have noticed um because obviously i've known you for a while now and watching mm. episodes that yes you do <laughs> pop up on zap a lot you pop up on mm. art attack and yeah oh, it's yes, a mystery yeah. and sooty oh, it's and a mis- like, yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah all those oh, classics there he is again yeah um yeah <laughs> it's, um, yeah, Zap was fantastic. It was my favourite show. Um, uh, Art Attack was a close second. Um, two top top fantastic programmes that are still mm. very very well remembered, even though you know, it's been such a long time now for both of them. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean the, the amount of people who still talk about Art Attack and and Zap, um, and you know, uh, we get letters to the studio still asking, or you know, have you got any? memorabilia mm. you know people of your age who want you know who, who grew up watching the shows or have you got this have you got that have you got an old postcard and we, you know we try our best but it's very 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 slim pickings now yeah um, but uh but yeah it's 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 lovely it's it's lovely to hear and and i'm you know when i if i ever bump into anyone from school which is uh, you know it was a long time ago i was at school now um first thing they say to me is number 73 you know, and um, uh, uh, and uh, people of a certain age, again, remember number 73 so well and Neil being in 73 and the art items. Because Neil did his first art item on number 73. TVS made another show called Do It. And that's where Neil did his first big picture. He did a tiger out of rice. Have you ever seen that, chap? 
I think I have yes on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. when I was um, yeah yeah. So that was his first. Mm-hmm. That was his first big picture. Um, and the Brighton Bottle Orchestra were on that show, and they are uh, Miller and Porter who did all our theme tunes. Ah. So every everything everything connects. It does indeed. It does indeed. It's funny, really, because like if you search hashtag Artsakers mm. whatever on Instagram, you'll be guaranteed mm. to see at least a few Halloween dress ups um, <laughs> or Comic Cons because I know I've done it. Um, a lot of people have done it since. Um, mm. And so if you ever look, it, it's 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 quite a thing. Um, so, yeah, that's that was that's interesting. I wanted to move on to, because um, I know from speaking to you in the past, um, you also worked mm. on It's a Mystery, and that was something that you I really did. enjoyed working on. Yeah. What a great show as well. And uh, different, really. I don't think there was a, a paranormal investigation show for children. You know, it's, uh, mm. it's quite a, quite something. I I loved It's a Mystery, um, as, you, as you say. And I it was probably one of my favourite shows ever to work on because... Art Attack and Zap were uh, were amazing, but they were a certain type of show. They were quite niche. And by the time I'd got onto It's a Mystery, which started, I think started around 95, 96, I was asked by Tim and Neil to work on it. I'd only ever really done art-based items. So actually it was a bit of a, a bit of a risk for them to get me on it as a researcher. Anyway, I lapped it up. Um, and on that show, I learned to write, I learned to direct, I learned to do archive research, I learned to cast, uh, because it was it was lots of different, sort of, if, 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 if you've not seen the show, it was, it was a strange but true type show, but had lots of little dramas and reconstructions in it, as well as studio items that were very much like how, um, like, so like, how can a headache tablet um, cure a headache, uh, things like that. But we just started them with, it's a mystery. So it's a mystery how a, how a tablet can cure a headache. But we um, we had five great series of that. Um, I worked on all of them, uh, and yeah, I had a whale of a time. And I still get there was a, a particular item that we did um, about a haunting um, in I think it was supposed to be in Spain somewhere. Some faces appeared on a floor yep. under a kitchen, and um, it's on YouTube somewhere. And the amount of people that still talk about that is is quite quite incredible. And we shot I mean we shot that twenty. I think it was about uh, 1999, so about 24 years ago, we recorded that. Um, we had a, we had no budget to make it some history, uh, and so um, you know we did have to we did have to make do and mend quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And actually, watching it back sometimes now, I think, oh, oh, how I would have done that differently now. But then I think about well, actually, we didn't we didn't have a great deal. We didn't have a great deal of money, so we did the best we could. And actually, and I'm, I'm really. I'm really, really proud of it. Yeah, I really like the show. Um, I do have some memories of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I, d- I did notice, again, going mm. back to your TV appearances, is um, mm. It's a Mystery did cover um, Southern TV's greatest mystery of the <laughs> uh, of the of, of that hijack um, that happened back in the seventies, which has recently been, um, I think, yeah. been worked out. But you're in that reconstruction as the, as the newsreader, aren't you? I am. Well, as it's it's interesting you say that so that was obviously my item mm-hmm. uh, actually there's a lot more information out there about it now so it's not wholly accurate yeah but anyway we 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 did we did a reconstruction and i said wouldn't it be fun if i played the newsreader so i did um and i wanted to get the southern logo behind me mm-hmm. and at that time um the southern tv name and logo and archive was owned by a company called primetime so i wrote to them and I just said, oh, look, do you mind um, if if we use it? And actually they said, oh, yeah, that's that's absolutely fine. So I was in my element then. I really milked it for all it was, uh, it, for all it was worth. And we had the Southern logo on and we kept showing the Southern logo and the Southern studios in, in Southampton. Yeah. And it was that connection that um, I sort of stayed in contact with. And then a few years later, I ended up buying Southern television. So again, it's thanks to It's a Mystery, yeah. I think. <laughs> It all comes around. I it had, does. I, I had an episode on tape. Unfortunately, I don't have it anymore, but I remember mm. it so distinctly. Mm. I remember the first story was about a guy gets arrested and it turns out he has mm. the same name, date of birth, bank card oh. as his policeman. And then there was also a story That's about right. a floating ball of lightning that was terrorising the village or something. <laughs> remember that That's one? That's right, yeah. The name one was, uh, I think that was Series 3. 
And I seem to remember shooting something in a phone box near Maidstone Station, even though we said it had happened in Scotland. So what we would do is we'd get Scottish actors in, mm. we would shoot it in Maidstone. And I was saying, you know, we, we had to make the budget stretch. Um, and uh, and that, that, was, that was a fun one. And the, I seem to remember the UFO one, which um, I remember the UFO was made by a graphic designer who we worked with a lot called Alan Scragg. Fabulous yes. chap. He'd worked for Southern and TBS. Um, and uh, he did a lot of our graphics, as did David Tasker, um, who designed the, the Art Attack logo um, with Neil. That I seem to remember us doing that in a, in, a, in a house in Maidstone, and it was the makeup lady's son who was playing one of the kids in that story, who's probably got kids of his own now. Uh, the other thing I wanted to briefly mention is because yeah. pretty much your entire career has been behind the camera, but for, for a brief yes. time you did do some presenting of your own um, mm. on Quids In and Slops Diner. How did you get into that, <laughs> and what made you kind of not do it after? Why did you go back to behind the camera? Well, I... Um... I was always a big fan, still am, of a programme, it was a consumer programme called That's Life, which uh, was on the BBC from the early 70s to about 94, I think. Um, and it was a consumer show presented by Esther Ranson, and um, it had light-hearted items in it, and it had some some quite hard-hitting items. But anyway, they always had silly things in it, like getting Britain singing and Jobs Worth Awards. And I, I, I took a shine to it, and I always wanted to be one of so you'd have esther ranson and then you'd have her her sort of team of esther's boys they called them so they were sort of um journalists the lads who were presenting the items with her and i always thought well, one day i'd like to be on that show and be one of the presenters with esther ranson um obviously it never happened but um at the end of i think it was series six of art attack tim edmonds came to me and he said uh, he said oh he said i know you love that's life why don't you do a consumer item in the studio and we'll film it just for a laugh. Um, and in those days, you could, I mean, it would, co it cost, would have cost a fortune um, and you just couldn't do it now. But um, in those days, it was, it was a bit easier. So I said, oh, OK. So I had full makeup, full costume, full lighting, full props, full everything. And we shot it. We shot this um, item in the studio and I was I was doing a, a consumer type item about a, this optic lamp that someone had bought. Um, and I got a standing ovation afterwards and I thought, oh, that, that'd be fun to keep. Anyway, unbeknownst to me, they'd sent that off to Channel 4. And uh, within six months, we were shooting a pilot called The Pocket Money Show, which was a consumer show for children, which then ran to a series called Quids In. Uh, and so that's, that is how that happened. Again, thanks, thanks, thanks to Tim and Neil, which I, so I, I wrote and presented that. It was really, really good fun. Um, and that it was going to go to a second series and then um, Hollyoaks came along and they decided to stop all the kids programs Hollyoaks took all the budget and that was the end of that um, but again I never I never set out to be a presenter so I wasn't I wasn't that upset I fell into it uh, and then uh, Telegantic Megavision came along which was um, which only only again only ran for one series but they had a little quiz show element in that and Tim and Neil perhaps they felt bad about um about uh, <laughs> about quids in and they asked me if i wanted to present that which uh, which i did um uh, and it was it was fine it was fine um uh but i then decided do you know what i want to get a mortgage i want to i i'm i'm never going to be a great presenter so actually if i want you know if i want to uh, stay in tv i think i need to work behind the behind yeah. the scenes but so that that was really the reason i was never going to be a great presenter i don't think i wouldn't have been able to sustain a career as a presenter so i decided uh, I'd, I'd work behind the scenes that's fair enough i mean i didn't realize until a friend pointed it out that the, the co-host mm. in in slops diner is yeah. um shot phil mitchell basically. yes lucy benjamin yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. she was a uh, she was great fun so she was roller skating around the studio uh, as my um as my co-host and uh she was she, she was she was great we we I seem to remember we shot seven a day i mean it was exhausting and for someone who wasn't i'd, I'd never been a you know i hadn't trained as a multi-camera director and that was shot multi-camera mm. um and it was directed by a great director sadly no longer with us called michael kerrigan who directed a lot of tvs programs including number 73 um we uh we had a we had a ball, but it was exhausting. And I, you know, they everyone was so lovely and helpful, and got me through those days. Um, but uh, 
Would I want to do it again? Absolutely not. <laughs> That's fair enough. Before I move on to the, the kind of post-media merchant stuff, there is mm. one thing I wanted to bring up um, that I'm interested in, actually, because I like these shows. Mm. Um, you did also do some non-kids TV stuff on early Channel 5, uh, 100% and, and Whittle, <laughs> which is interesting. How, how did that kind of come about? Well, and actually, um, I did um, Sailor the Sentry as well in the early days as well for, for that may have been for Challenge TV. I, I can't quite remember mm. now. Was it but it was all made by, yeah, mm. it was all made by Grundy. So I was, um, I was happily here and I was doing the, the uh, Telegantic and then the Saturday morning show that took over from it. Wow. And then uh, it was Christmas 96, I think, or 97 it could have been. Uh, I bought my first flat. And I was really excited. It was the tiniest flat you've ever seen. But I'd actually got on the housing ladder. Um, I was going to work on the Saturday morning show that was going to continue after Christmas. I remember getting the mortgage in the December. And then in the January, I was going to have a long run working as a researcher on a Saturday morning show. And then I, th I think the Formula ITV got the Formula One or something. And they decided to put all the money in that. It was the story of my life. So suddenly I was like, what am I going to do? And... I asked around the studios here in Maidstone because uh, there was nothing at the media merchants. And up to this point, I'd always been freelance. Um, and uh, a great, I had a conversation with a, a lady who used to work here and actually she worked in Dover as well, Denise Buckland, a uh, great character. And I said, well, look, Denise, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've just got this mortgage. Is there anything going on here? And she said, uh, she said, well, actually, um, we need someone, a grundier in and they need someone to answer the phones you've answered the phones haven't you and i assume she meant on a live program on a saturday morning show and said oh yeah i've done that anyway turned up at the office on the monday and um it was literally to sit in an office while everyone was in the studio just answering the phones anyway within a couple of days the, the producer uh a guy called mark nodes um he said to me he said oh he said he said actually we need a you need some help with some research and would you, would you mind doing that? And actually, we need someone to write some prize descriptions. And I wrote this prize description for, I always remember, for a Hinari bread maker that was on sale of the century. And I think that was the thing that clinched it. And he said, uh, he said, oh, yeah, we've got this thing called Whittle coming on because Channel 5's about to start and Grundy are major shareholders. And, and so I ended up for about mm, six months um, because there was no working maids then, working at uh, Grundy House, as it was, next to um, London Weekend on the South Bank, working on lots of their quiz shows as, as a researcher, including 100%, and I thoroughly enjoyed it because uh, it was completely different to what I'd been used to. Um, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was hugely varied. I learned a lot. We moved halfway through to from Grundy House to C Stephen Street, and I remember I was a researcher on the first... 30 episodes of 100%, which we shot there. It's the first thing ever shot there. And um, and it was being built around us. And I was seeing contestants in through the fire doors and there were fan heaters everywhere because it was freezing cold and there was no catering. And it was all a bit shambolic. Uh, but we got on air. I really enjoyed it. And, um, and uh, I've got a lot of affection for that time, actually. I got a pay rise as well. And so uh, they offered me a staff job. And I said, well, I really want to go back to Maidstone um uh when when art attack came back uh, and they were very gracious said yeah absolutely and uh because i'd uh i'd worked there i got a pay rise when i came back so i was very happy not too bad the good old red grundy <laughs> not too bad at all not too bad um okay so moving on to kind of post media merchants um mm. you moved on to working on to probably the next big art show for children it's kind of successor yes. i suppose for cbb's and that was mr maker i know you've got a lot of affection for that and a lot of crazy stories <laughs> yes i have well just actually just before we go there mm -hmm. um i did fingertips between the two which was an itv arts show as well so uh the producer of that show happened to leave at the time I'd finished up on Art Attack. That was also made in this building by uh, another great team who'd also worked in the children's department of TVS. Uh, and uh, I got asked if I wanted to wanted to do that, which I did. Um, and that was great fun. Really, really enjoyed that. Tim Dixon and Naomi Wilkinson presented that series that I did. It was the last series before ITV really um, stopped making programmes at that point. Um, and um, and and loved it. I literally crossed the car park, went from a porter cabin to the main building, and 
and we made 30 episodes of, of Fingertips, which I really, really enjoyed. And then while I was doing that, the company that made Fingertips had just started on our, uh, had just started Mr. Maker Foundation, the company um, now part of Banerjee. Um, and they, um, Adriana had then, by that time, had made the first series of Mr. Maker and said, uh, we, we need some, you know, this is getting bigger and bigger. Would you join us? So uh, I did. And uh, there I was on Mr. Maker and I stayed on that for many years, many, many years. And that, that physically took me all around the world because Mr. Maker at that point was bigger, I think, than Art Attack. So we would do tours of South Africa, South America, uh, Indonesia, uh, the Philippines, Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia. I mean, it, it was absolutely crazy. So we'd make make this the UK series, and then we would do live shows all around the world. Uh, and it was just Phil and myself would turn up, not quite knowing what was going to happen. Phil is a Gallagher plays Mr. Maker, not quite knowing what's going to happen. And um, and uh, and uh, and my my strongest memory of the live tours was we were in it was about 10 years ago and we were in the middle of indonesia and we couldn't move because there was traffic everywhere we were trying to get to a shopping mall we were going to do a meet and greet or he was going to do a meet and greet 100 kids just some signatures and photographs really big in indonesia we found out mr maker um and we just could, we just couldn't get to the venue and we were panicking and the BBC representative was panicking. It was like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The reason we couldn't get there is they were queuing to see him. We got to the venue or the shopping mall and there was people everywhere. Uh, we were expecting 100 people. They estimated there was 10,000 people there. Wow. And we said, well, we can't do a meeting. What are we going to do? I said, I said, I remember the saying to someone, can you, can you find a couple of microphones? So they found a couple of microphones. There was no stage, but there was a big speaker. We stood on this big speaker in the shopping mall, the Pajatan Mall in Indonesia, in Jakarta. And uh, we ad-libbed, I think it was about a half-hour show, uh, to 10,000 people. It was unbelievable. And after that, we had to have escorts everywhere, police escorts everywhere in Indonesia, because we couldn't, couldn't go anywhere. And uh, they, we even had someone staying outside the hotel because trying to keep these people away, it was it was absolutely bonkers, but, but great fun, great great fun. That's great to hear, fantastic. And um, so to kind of wrap things up, then uh, in more recent years, uh, yeah. you, you've decided you decided to set up your own production company <laughs> with with yes. Adriana and a few others. Yeah. Um, tell us a bit about that, and uh, of course the uh, the iconic show that you you are responsible for bringing back as well in recent times. Yeah. So. Um, it got to 2015, 2016. I was touring around the world with, with Phil, Mr. Maker. We had, we, we'd done a couple of UK tours uh, around uh, theatres in the UK. And we were touring Butlins, holiday centres, resorts, as they're called now, uh, which, again, was, was great fun. But I was getting a bit exhausted because I'm knocking on a bit. Um, and I thought, right, um, what am I going to do now? I sort of... I didn't know whether I was going to sort of go into semi-retirement and I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. Driana at that point was working um, on the, the reincarnation of Teletubbies and we were chatting away because we're very good friends. I said, oh, should we just see if we can give it a go? So we came up with an idea for a cookery show. We took it to Kay Bembo at the BBC. We'll be forever grateful to Kay. And uh, she loved the idea and said, right, who am I commissioning? And we hadn't even set up a company. I mean, it was comical, Jack. So... Uh, we said, oh, we'll, we'll get back to you. Um, and she said, well, I need to do this, that and the other and, and speak to various people. Anyway, within a month, um, we'd set up Terrific Television. Um, I was always a big fan of alliteration. I liked Thames Television, Media Merchants, Terrific Television. That sounds good. Um, I thought that will have gone, but actually it hadn't, hadn't gone or been registered. So we set it up and we did uh, My World's Kitchen. We've subsequently made... 60 episodes of that we've made podcast for cvbs we've made um how uh for citv we brought back how which we can talk about in a moment uh and we've made uh, the makery for sky uh we've made a version of the makery so a bit like art attack really for nbc in the us uh and um and yeah so it's uh, we've Adriana and i have been 
been really fortunate in that respect that we can still make programmes in Maidstone, our favourite place. Uh, and yes, a few years ago, we got the opportunity to bring back How, which Joanna and I had both worked on How too as what they called stringers. So because we were working on Art Attack and it was the same team, if ever we came up with an idea, we'd give it to the How team. Um, Tim Edmonds was also the producer of How. We'd give it to the How team. And if they liked it, they'd give us 50 quid. And um, we'd have, you know, we'd have an item on How too. So we loved it. Um, and we thought, mm, wouldn't it be great if we could get the rights to it and bring it back? Didn't think anything would happen. We thought, don't ask, you don't get. And we got an option on the rights, thanks to Nigel Pickard, a name that again goes back to uh, to TVS and Number 73. He was the original director of Number 73, but he became very powerful within ITV. We got the rights to it and, um, and uh, we made two series of it. And uh, I said, uh, I'm only interested in doing it if... Fred Dynish can come back in a certain... Uh, however, we write him in, but Fred has been in 400 episodes of How and How To. I said, he's got to be in every episode. And and um, ITV were very gracious, and they said, yeah, OK, Fred can be in it. And um, so Fred did have a little cameo in every single episode, and he was... He, I knew Fred from old. He he was, and still is, fabulous. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it, 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 it's done... It did really, really well, and unfortunately, it's only finished because... It was funded by um, by the young audiences, or part funded by the young audiences content fund, which was a, a pilot fund from the government to encourage children's production. Uh, but unfortunately, that fund's now finished. So um, all all those shows that were were funded or part funded by the app fund have unfortunately gone. But you know, we live in hope. Um, How has. Uh, disappeared and come back many times. There have been three versions of it now. Um, and um, if anyone out there listening um, wants us to make how for them, any broadcasters, then I'd very happily do it. Just uh, just get in touch. Fingers crossed, because it is a fantastic show. And I, yeah, I actually oh, loved um, the new version, you know, despite the fact that I'm not yeah. in the target audience. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I, I got a lot mm-hmm. of the references. Um, yeah. You know, I thought it was a, it was a very different version, because I was, yes. um, but at the same time, it still had enough of the old in it. Well, to please we tried. People, so. we, we, we tried. We tried, and, and ITV were very ins- insistent that um, it, had to, it had to be updated, mm-hmm. and they wanted us to get out be out on location um we managed to get some studio in and, and, and the studio we changed the studio but how is an amazing format um jack hargreaves who set it up who was deputy controller of programs at southern um and also presenter of the original series um was a genius and um and i still uh, you know i still think it's a cracking format and so simple um and uh, I just, yeah, I just, I'd love to do it again. But It's a Mystery, as I said, was very much like how, and I think that's probably why I enjoyed It's a Mystery so much. Brilliant stuff. Nick, it's been fantastic chatting about your memories. Thank you so much for taking part today. Oh, no worries. It's been an absolute delight. A big thanks to Nick for sharing his memories and check out Terrific Television and the great work they do. That's it for now. I'll be back soon, and thanks for listening. <laughs>